Welcome back to our Weird History Minisode, where we seek to bring you tales of the strange and unusual throughout history. This week, I'm actually not sure what we're talking about. So what are we talking about? What are we talking about, Melissa? Tomatoes. What's this week's topic? But what's weird about tomatoes is that they get their own Weird History Minisode. So it's what I like to call the tomato stunt of 1820, or as uh, I've, I've seen it in one of my sources, the trial of the tomatoes try like what were they put on in front of a judge or something they're tomatoes not not quite no it was mostly about a guy who decided to eat a bunch of tomatoes in front of a large crowd to prove that they weren't deadly and given i've eaten half a carton of tomatoes while we've been talking about this i'm and i'm okay i think they're okay but there is a pretty interesting weird history around the entire history of tomatoes you're you're not okay. We're co-hosts, and I know we're not. Okay. You're not okay. <laughs> I'm okay physically, maybe not mentally. You think? <laughs> uh, you ready for this? No. <laughs> but yes. But no. But yes. But you know, I don't know. Yes, go. All right. So before we get into the trial of the tomatoes of 1820, I'm going to go back into history quite a bit. So just a brief history of the tomato itself. The Latin term for the tomato is Lyco persicum insculinum, which came from French botanist Tournefort, and it literally translates into wolf peach. Lyco being wolf, persicum being peach. Like lichen, werewolf, but for a peach, which is actually a tomato in this case. Yep, lichen as in like a lichen throat. Yep. Paul. Uh-huh. Okay, so there's three reasons behind this. One, peach makes a bit sense because it's small and juicy and delicious like a peach. Two, because it was considered to be poisonous, which comes from point three, because that came from Galen, who at some point in a book that he wrote, he has he writes of a, I guess, I don't know if it's the peach specifically, but he writes of a fruit that he, quote, poisoned in a palatable package, which was used to destroy wolves. And he wrote that back in the third century. He also wrote a book, which I think this was in that book, but the book was pretty much a catalog, for lack of a better word, of all the foods that were grown and consumed in the Garden of Eden. So anything that was known to the natural world and his time. If it wasn't in that book, then it did not come from the Garden of Eden and there should not be consumed. What time was this again? Remind me third century Galen was a naturalist you know we're still we're still kind of in the height but near the like the beginning of the end of the very slow end of the Roman Empire well tomatoes are not known to Europe or the Mediterranean or Egypt as some people have actually speculated no they're originally from Central and South America the word tomato as we know it actually comes from the Nahuatl term tomato which is actually the language of the Aztecs, so Central America, Mexico, and was actually brought back from Mexico by the conquistadors. They saw them growing in Montezuma's garden in about 1519 and brought them back, but they refused to eat them. Now, tomatoes back then are a bit different than what we might think of today. They were very small and golden in color, so more like a golden tomato or about the size of a grape or cherry tomatoes, which is what I'm eating right now. And the word tomato itself first appears in print in 1595. So they were brought back 
in 1519, but were not printed, talked about until about 1595. Now, it probably was decided not to be eaten for uh, numerous reasons. One, because it wasn't in Galen's book of things that were in the Garden of Eden. Two, because the conquistadors probably thought if we ate this, we'll become like the savages that we stole it from, because that was generally the thought at the time. But also tomatoes are from the nightshade family and thought to be poisonous, which is technically true. The fruit is not poisonous, but the leaves certainly are. And you don't want to eat or consume anything from the nightshade family if you can help it. Except for tomatoes, because they're delicious. And there was a British barber surgeon back in 1597 named John Gerard. And barber surgeon back then were pretty much people who were skilled with knives. So the same person who would cut you open and perform surgery on you was also skilled enough to give you a haircut. <laughs> yeah, it's an odd thing to think about. What? Yeah, that's why they're called barber. What a haircut from the guy that also opened and cut you up. Yep. Weird. They're trained to cut things and trained with knives and precision. So yeah, that. But they don't know style what style everyone had the same haircut fair point pretty much everyone had the same haircut at that time if you weren't wearing a wig you had a short haircut so he he (laughs) he actually cultivated tomatoes and he actually believed that they were poisonous because they they contained a chemical called tomatine which this is actually correct however the amount of tomatine in tomatoes is so low that it's actually not harmful which is why we're able to eat them and there again quite delicious but it was commonly believed at the time that eating a tomato at any point in any any way whatsoever would give you immediate appendicitis or even immediate stomach cancer because they believed that the skin of the tomato would adhere itself to the stomach lining causing immediate stomach cancer therefore death we now know that science and our body's digestive system does not work that way Well, they never really worked that way. We just didn't know what we were doing. He wrote a book called Herbal or General History of Plants in which he specifically stated that the tomatoes themselves were very unsafe to eat. However, in a kind of hypocritical tone, he also notes that, and this book came out in about 1597. And again, they came to Europe, started in Spain in, in about 1519. By 1597, they were being cultivated all throughout Europe. And his book, he also states that they're unsafe to eat and they're poisonous, yet the French and the Italians do eat them, to which he considers the French and the Italians as, quote, not quite human. Well, the French don't like the English and the English don't like the French. I I don't know what their beef is with the Italians, but. I was going to say, what about the Italians? They're just people. Uh, 1597. The Italian Renaissance has ended more or less and is really gaining speed up in the rest of Europe. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what their beef is with the Italians. They're foreigners and therefore not English. So they should be feared. I don't, I don't know. It was an odd thing at the time. Anywho, but being a barber surgeon who tells people that you should not eat things because they're deemed to be poisonous, this gave a very negative connotation to tomatoes, particularly in English colonies, England, and the Americas. And it was actually 
thought that people in America did not consume tomatoes until the 1820s. However, as I said, the Italians and the French prior to 1597 had been consuming them. Italians were actually the first people to embrace the eating of tomatoes outside of Central and South America. And to them, they're known as palma de oro or golden apples. Again, they're very small, round, golden little tomatoes. And the French actually called them love apples or palme d'amour. And that was because they thought that tomatoes were believed to be an aphrodisiac. Sexy tomato? I don't know. I <laughs> know oh, tomatoes are sexy. I know they're dang delicious. They certainly are. So you're probably wondering what they would do with these tomatoes. They cultivate them, but they wouldn't cook them. They wouldn't eat them. What would you do with them? Decoration, straight up decoration. It's not too dissimilar to the Tudors and their pineapples, except that was mostly the show of how wealthy you were because not everyone could own a pineapple. But instead of eating the delicious fruit, you decide to just leave it on your table or mantle. People were weird. That's an understatement. People are still weird. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. So as we said, tomatoes made their way into Europe in the 1500s. And by the 1590s, the French and the Italians had been eating and using them. So in the 1750s, tomato sauce was very commonly eaten throughout England, let alone in America. And if anyone listening is a fan, as Lauren and I both certainly are, of uh, Townsend's, and there's also... The, the history cooking show with Max Miller as well. They both reference a cookbook by a lady named Hannah Glass, which came out in 1758. And in that cookbook, which has some really interesting recipes, there are recipes involving tomatoes. And even Thomas Jefferson actually grew and ate tomatoes. And he died in 1826. And to finish off this tale of a tomato, <laughs> tomato of a tail. I don't really want, I don't know where I want to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. So now we're getting into the 1800s and we're going to get into the story of Colonel Robert Gibbon Johnson and his tomatoes. So it's said that Colonel Johnson brought home tomatoes and cultivated them from a trip he took in 1808 and to his hometown in Salem, New Jersey. And he was actually an agriculturalist and actually cultivate various plants. So he actually cultivated, I guess, different types of tomatoes and believed that they were safe to eat. But people kept saying, no, they're not safe to eat. You shouldn't eat them. No one's ever eaten a tomato. In fact, if you eat one, you're going to die. And as a public defiance to this, on September 26th, 1820, Johnson decided that he would prove once and for all that tomatoes were not, in fact, dangerous to eat. And on the steps of the Salem County Courthouse in New Jersey, in front of a crowd of some say 200, some say 2,000, either way, he decided he would consume in public a basket full of tomatoes to prove that they were not dangerous. And to the shock, horror, and astonishment of the crowd, what do you think happened? He didn't die? True. No, he didn't. I mean, eventually he would, but not because of tomatoes. I mean, yeah, they're, <laughs> if you eat the fruit of the tomato, it's not poisonous. They were so certain that a single bite of a tomato would cause him to have immediate appendicitis again and just 
or brain fever even possibly and just immediately keel over from a single bite of tomato. They even decided that they would have a doctor on hand just a few feet from uh, Robert Johnson just in case anything were to happen to him. Now, my question is, if you have a doctor sitting next to you while you're trying to prove that something is not poisonous, but you're deciding that it's poisonous, what is your counter poison to a tomato if no one's ever eaten one before and you don't have anything to counteract it with? There isn't one. Well, we know that they're not poisonous, but they didn't. I know, but, I know, but if you've never eaten a tomato and you think it's poisonous, you don't have a counter poison. Right. That was my point. This is ridiculous. Right. So what would, what would the doctor have been able to do if it turns out tomatoes were poisonous? Nothing. Nothing. Right. Other than maybe make him regurgitate. Maybe. A little bit of epicac, probably. But it wasn't even necessary. Nope. Nope. Not at all. And in fact, what happened was people saw, I mean, he would eat one tomato and then two and then three. Now, again, well, by the 1820s, they were probably closer to what we might recognize as today, but nothing happened. And he's like, these are delicious. You guys should try them. And this started a craze in the, in the, in, in the, in the city of Salem where people would actually then start eating them. They would start cooking with them. And in fact, Salem, New Jersey, more or less became the tomato capital of the U.S. But would you like to know, there's a twist of the story. Would you like to know it? Yeah, I'm laughing. You ready for this one? Probably not. All right. So the story of Robert Johnson and his tomato isn't true. I'm sorry, what? Nope, not true. Nope, it, it, it's a fake story. Now, Colonel Robert Johnson was a real person and he did live in Salem County, New Jersey and he was an agriculturalist. And in fact, he actually founded the Salem County Agricultural Society and Salem County, New Jersey did become the tomato center for the U.S., but not in 1820. Because Andrew Smith, a historian from the area, published an article in 1990 titled The Making of the Legend of Robert Gibbon Johnson and the Tomato, in which he actually does state that there was a real man named Robert Johnson, as I said. But there are no firsthand accounts of this story. There are no diary entries, no journals, no letters, no newspaper articles. You would think if something so crazy like this actually happened there would certainly at least be local newspaper articles but there isn't a single one there's no record absolutely no record not from 1820 the first mention of robert johnson and the word tomato don't aren't mentioned together until 1908 nearly 100 years after this supposedly happened and a book on the salem county where it states, quote, Colonel Robert G. Johnson brought the first tomatoes to Salem County in 1820. At the time, this vegetable was considered unfit for use by the masses. Now that all may be true. However, it doesn't mention anything about the courthouse or the crowds of people outside waiting for him to eat a tomato. That does not come about until 1940, written in a book called The Delaware by Harry Emerson Wilds, who wrote, quote, not however until 1820 when he dared to eat a prized tomato publicly on the courthouse steps would cautious South Jersey accept as edible the vegetable that is now its largest crop. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, it gets better. It can get better? Oh, it gets so much better. I'm listening. <laughs> so there was a story by a man named Joseph C. 
Sickler that came out in 1949. He was a local from Salem, New Jersey. He was not only an author, he was an assemblyman, a newspaper reporter, and also the local uh, Salem County postmaster and an amateur historian. And he wrote a tale about Robert Johnson, but there's a twist to this one too. Not only about Robert Johnson eating the first tomato in Salem County, but writing it as if Robert Johnson was the first person to have ever eaten the tomato in the whole history of the U.S. However untrue that is. Oh, it's very untrue. So in Sickler's tale of Robert Johnson, he actually would add dialogue to this story, which I don't know what a New Jersey accent would sound like at the time, so I'm not really going to attempt one, but I've got to read you this dialogue because it's fantastic. He says, I'll show you dumb blankety blank fools that these things are good to eat. What are you afraid of? Being poisoned? Well, I'm not, and I'll show you I'm not. Kind of a very 1940s way of putting things. Very condescending. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. So at one point, Sickler actually ended up moving to New York City where he became a quote-unquote historical consultant for CBS when they hired him for an episode of the show that they had called You Are There, which is actually a historical dramatization series where they would reenact different events throughout history, such as the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And one of the episodes is titled Robert Johnson and his tomato. And Sickler actually gives the account. He's not actually on the show. It's mostly Foley artists and other voice actors, plus the announcer, but he was a historical consultant who helped probably write the script for it. This episode did air on January 30th, 1949. And again, this is radio program, not TV. TV wasn't really around. And I do have source notes that will link to this radio program for you to listen. And you really should listen to it. Oh, oh, I love old time radio dramas and programs and all-time radio like horror stories and crime dramas and if you love that you will enjoy listening to the crazy that is this story it's fantastic but when people heard it they believed that this was true for one of two reasons one the radio announcer actually stated that this was the first tomato ever consumed in the whole history of the U.S. and it was a history program so people took that as truth and two because the historical consultant was somebody from the local area that the story was being told from. And therefore they also believed it because he's a historian. However, the story is not true. But as a fantastic ending to this story, this is true. Every year, the Salem County has a fair in which there is a reenactment of Robert Johnson on the steps of the Salem County Courthouse eating a basket full of tomatoes. Yummy. Yep. Well, it doesn't stop there, especially if you really like tomatoes. And this doesn't, this makes a whole lot of sense given that Salem County was the tomato center of the U.S. I don't know if they still are, but they certainly were. And they are tomato crazy. I like it. So not only do they have that reenactment of Robert Johnson, they have tomato recipe contest, tomato lookalike contest, tomato toss and catch contest, and tomato size beauty contests. There are street entertainers that have tomato-themed performances, and there's even a tomato-themed art exhibition that they call Tomatobilia. So it's essentially a tomato-themed county fair. Let's go. I could eat some tomatoes in a fair. No fear of being poisoned and having immediate appendicitis or probable death, brain fever. I eat tomatoes all the time, you know. (laughs) I love tomatoes. 
as a kid, I hated them, but now it's my favorite fruit slash veggie, although it belongs in the fruit category, but it's more savory than sweet. You give me some cheese, some tomatoes, and fresh basil, and I am in heaven. Mind you, you can just give me some fresh basil, and I'm in heaven. Well, that would be the weird history for this week, and I hope you enjoyed the, quote, trial of the tomatoes and the tomato stunt of 1820 and the strange and certainly weird history of the tomato. And if we have any listeners from Salem County, let us know. I'd be, I'd be really interested to hear if you've ever seen this reenactment, if you've actually been to the county fair where you've had all these tomato contests, if you've grown up hearing this story. I, I want to hear. Let us know. You can email us. You can send us messages on Instagram. We have our Facebook page. Let us know. I'm curious. We're both curious. So we definitely want to hear from y'all. Just going to say, what are we doing for next week? What is next Next week, week is Ancient Inventions. Oh, right. It is the episode y'all voted on. Yay. I believe that some of the inventions, just to kind of give you an idea, these aren't very probably prominent or well-known inventions. We try to be a little more weird about them. Uh, I will probably be discussing something along the lines of the ancient Greek vending machine, along with other items. What was one of your choices? Uh, the the seismometer, seismometer. Oh, oh from the, the Chinese seismometer? Yes, thank you. Fascinating one. It's really cool. It's Are really, you not really bringing cool. up ancient Egyptian prosthetics, or were we, is that something else? Uh, I might touch on that just a little bit. Stop ruining it. That was going to be the surprise one. Oh, my bad. It's okay. There's other stuff in there. There's other stuff. So I'll surprise you with other stuff. We we each chose at least three different unusual inventions throughout history. So we've got a variety coming up for you guys. And if you have any yeah. other ideas, let us know. You can reach us through the History Explains It All underscore podcast, which is the title of both our Facebook and our uh, Instagram pages. Or you can email us at historyexplainsall at gmail.com. And until next week, enjoy yourself a tomato and hope you enjoy this weird history. We'll see you guys next week with Ancient Inventions. Bye.